little narrow in there, so we have to work our way through it. Um, one of the great privileges we have is having people coming through that we've seen how God has worked in their lives. And for Nabi and Ruba here, Nabasi, what an opportunity that we could have them here. We're so grateful that they have been serving you so faithfully year after year. By the way, this is time, I guess I should say, any of the children that need to go, here's your chance to go. And any of the workers or have to go with them. But yes, it has been great to be able to have them. I got to know Nabi a lot better when I was in Jordan with him. And that was great. We were at Jets, and we went to your church. And wasn't it like Christmas time or something? Or was it? I think it was New Year's or something. Yeah, it was something like that. But that was about 150 years ago, wasn't it, Nabi? I think uh, almost, yeah. But anyways, they have had such amazing, amazing opportunity to serve the Lord in Jordan, which is one of the most stable of the Middle East uh, countries that we have. And have an impact in the lives of so many people. So it is a privilege to have Nabi here. And uh, let me pray, and then Nabi, if you would bring the word to us. Lord, we're thankful for who you are, for what you've done, and what you're yet going to do in our lives. We thank you for Ruba, and we just thank you so much that for the way that you have used her in the ministry, particularly of bringing the gospel throughout the Muslim world. We thank you for Nabi and the way that you've used him in so many different ways. And we ask, Father, that this family, that you would continue to use them, protect them, and let them have a continued great ministry for you. So be with us, Lord. Help us to be attentive to what you're doing. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's do it again. Hello. There we go. <laughs> Good. No, this is working, not this one. Okay. I received this email on October first, I guess, of um, yeah, October first, two thousand fourteen. This is not an imaginary story. This is a person writing this email, literally as I read it, waiting death. Here is my room, he, here in my room, sitting in darkness because we get electricity only one hour per day or less. Around midnight, waiting with others in the building where I live, death to visit me. It looks death is playing with us hide and seek. Two mortars fell on the building in front of us. Another to the right. Another one on a building just in the next street, but not on ours. So the question, or the questions are, is the coming buildings ours? But when it will be? Shall I stay in my bed so I will rest in peace on my bed? Or should I go down to the ground floor? But till, will, till when will stay there? Shouldn't sleep? 
or is it better to stay awake up to feel the moment when death will come riding on those rockets? Wow, here's another one, shaking the big building of four floors where I live, pushing the windows violently, and scary screams blew up from here and there. But it is midnight, and so lights go out and see what is going on. And what if another rocket fell down when I was to see what is happening? I think it's better to stay in my room waiting death. Who is flying around like crazy? At least I took, I took a shower a few hours ago. You understand when I mean what I mean, aren't you? Here is another one. I think it's better to keep silent. Aleppo, midnight of October 1st, 2014, pastor of Aleppo Baptist Church, Munir Raji. And this is just happening right now. In fact, the next morning he sent me another email with a picture of a rocket fall on the, their building, but the grace of God allowed it to fill in the water tank. So it cooled down and did not bring death for him. Uh, two months ago, also in uh, the city of uh, Nineveh, which is uh, now called Mosul, but this is the city of Nineveh, as you know it from the time of Jonah. Uh, ISIS gave uh, a warning to the Christians over there. They gave them eight hours. 250,000 Christians live in Mosul, Nineveh. And they had eight hours, and the choice was you either convert to Islam and become Muslims, or depart the city or you pay the uh, jizya, which is the taxes for the Islamic State. Of course, that was not an option because the amount they gave is higher than anybody can afford and that should be on a monthly basis. Say the options are really you either convert to Islam or you are beheaded or you leave the city. 250,000 people left their homes and belongings some of them have cars and some of them walking, and even those who have cars, when they reach the borders, their cars were taken from them. If they have any cash or gold, they were taken from them. And if they have any younger girls, age of you know 20s and 18s, they were taken from them as slaves for the uh, ISIS soldiers, and they were sold for slavery and prostitution at, at uh, $150 for the military of ISIS. And all of them, and if any parents uh, didn't like this or protested, they'll be shot in his head because this is, and uh, there was also a letter that was put, and probably you've seen it on TV, a letter N, on the homes of the Christians, meaning Nazarenes, or Nasara, meaning the Christians, in the Arabic language, and, uh, and another, uh, statement says this belongs to the Islamic State. That means their homes and belonging became the right of the Islamic State. And those only crime is they are Christians. This is the only crime they had that they're Christians. Now, if you think in the life of the U.S. and the protection you have, are you thankful <laughs> to the life? And I know there is an anti-Christian uh, spirit in, in the U.S.A. I mean, if, you, uh, if you're an atheist or if uh, you're a homo, if you are, uh, you know, 
a Muslim and say anything, nobody will, will say anything about you. But if you are an evangelical Christian and say anything or protest against anything, everybody will be against you. So you can see that there is a spirit of anti-Christians in the USA. And how should we respond in situation like this? What should be our reactions when we are pressured and persecuted and facing difficulties in our life? I will, would, I will be reading from the Second Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul is giving us three reasons why we should not lose heart and we always should be thankful and willing to be excited about faith. It's from, uh, I would probably will title my sermon and change what I sent to uh, Pastor Carl, Broken Jars for a Broken World. We know that we're living in a broken world. We can see around us people are broken and uh, uh, we know that they're going to hell. They do not know the light of Christ. And uh, how can we be a blessing and how can our light will shine for them? As we would read, we would see three reasons Paul is providing why we should not lose heart in living Christ-like and shining in this dark world. Uh, the first one he said in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 4, he said, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, or other translation, we have received mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And, and he has the, the word therefore before to remind us that this is related to the previous chapter. In the previous chapter, he was comparing between the old covenant and the new covenant. And we are living in a new covenant and we have the new ministry. And the first thing he's saying, we do not lose heart because we have received mercy. If we look at the broken world, those who are lost and most likely if they do not receive Christ, they will go to hell. What makes us different from them? I think all of us have the same story. We share that we were lost sometime in our life. But we have received mercy. And that should be our first thing not to lose heart, that God has showed favor in our life. What makes me different? I, one time in my life I converted to Islam. What makes me different? God has showed grace and mercy to me. And this is really the work of God. So the first thing Paul is saying, we need to be encouraged that we have been shown mercy. That's why you are here today, because God has shown you mercy and grace and gave you the blessing to be the son and the daughters of God. And that's why we are the family of Christ. So this is a blessing. We have received this mercy. We have the light. We have the life. We are Christians, and to that we're thankful. And Paul's saying the main or the first reason we do not lose heart in this life that we have received mercy. So serving Christ is not a burden anymore. I don't serve Christ because I have to. I serve Christ because I love to. He has changed me. He gave me life. I remember the day when I accepted Christ at age 16 and a half, 17. I don't remember the exact date. But I remember I was young, teenagers, when I heard the gospel message and I realized that God loves me. 
he has forgiven my sins. I felt so light, and the response was, I start running in the streets. Literally, I was running like crazy. I just felt so much joy to the point I just had so much energy, I have to release it. <laughs> start running in the streets. And uh, we do not lose heart. We have been shown mercy. We are, uh, so immediately I start serving Christ. As a response of his love to me, I start telling people about Jesus. So really, living Christian life, even in a hardship or even serving Christ, is not a burden. It's not something like I feel I'm sacrificing my life to. It's a joy. And I would want you to have the same understanding, and that's what Paul is saying. We have received mercy. That's why we can share. And also... He said, we are representing of Christ. We do not represent ourselves in verse 2. But what have, uh, but we have uh, renounced disgraceful understanding ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone conscious and straight of God and even... If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What Paul is saying, the world is really under the, the blinded of Satan. And you can give any form you would like to name it. Maybe people are blinded by the education, religion, uh, any forms you want it. They have you know, their own God and they're really, they are blinded to what they think that's what they need and that's what provides them fulfillment. And what Paul is saying here, we have the honor representing Christ to them. And we preach Christ and only Christ. And it's not by our own power. It's not by our own wisdom. We just present Christ as is. The simplicity of the gospel message and the simplicity of gospel message, it can be sometimes sounds like stupid. People won't accept it. But it's not for us to dilute the gospel message and to change it and make it simple. I remember one time Ruba was sharing a faith with a, with a lady who's a Muslim. Her cousin was killed because she became a believer by her own father. So she was afraid of giving her life to Christ because she knew that she would be next in line if she accepted Christ. So the question was, she gave Ruba. Can I be a believer, receive the, the, the grace of God and the forgiveness of Christ without Christ? I mean, can I just believe in God directly without Jesus Christ? And Ruba, of course, I know the reason behind the questions because she's afraid. So Ruba called me like 911, <laughs> what should I respond? I sat with this lady and I explained to her, there is no other way except through the revelation of the grace of God by the person of Jesus Christ. And she realized by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ 
she will pay a heavy price. And now she's been in hiding in Egypt and now she's in Lebanon right now as we speak because she accepted the person of Jesus Christ. Reality is when we accept him, there is difficulties would come with it in some part of the world. And uh, what Paul is saying, basically, we present Christ as is, and the response, not by the wisdom of us, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now there is a group of organizations and mission organization and missionaries are trying to make the gospel message sounds easier, and especially for the Muslim world, and what they call it the insider movement. And they are calling people to enter to the kingdom of God. You can be uh, like, they want to take the same concept of the Messianic Jew to the Islamic Christianity, which really doesn't work because the Old Testament and the New Testament are as one package. And there is a continuity between all the new. But between the, <laughs> the Quran and the Bible, they're just not going to meet in anywhere because the source is not the same. And you cannot do this. Oh, just let's make it easy. Let's change some of the words. Let's not use the word the son of God. Let's use the, a prophet. And they try to make it, uh, you know, let's, let's give a, a, an easy message so people can accept it. What Paul is saying here, it's not up to us. It's not by the word of wisdom. It's not by anything that we should do. We have the honor of representing Christ simply as he is and just share the gospel and if it's prevail and he's saying it's veiled the gospel is veiled because the people have been blinded and the god of this age has blinded them so the solution is not really earthly wisdom the solution is spiritual battle we need to pray that god would open their hearts and minds so instead of thinking wisely how to change and dilute the gospel message, we should work harder on praying for the world that their eyes will be open. And that's what Paul is saying here. And remember, the Lord said to Peter, I will build my church and gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So we are really uh, helpers, not the builders. The builder is the Lord himself. And we have the honor of being part of his. The work is his. The church is his. And he gave us the honor of being ambassadors of Christ. And we should represent Christ as he is. And in verse 5 and 6, he used a, a, a very uh, nice term representing us. He said, for uh, what we proclaim is not ourselves." but Jesus Christ. And if they reject it, they do not reject you, they reject Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant of Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Remember Genesis 1, verse 3, the, 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 the earth was uh, unformed, was dark. All what it took from God to bring light is lit there, be light. And if you look at the sinner's heart, it's dark, formless, all what requires the work of the Holy Spirit to say, let there be light. So this is not really things we can do in our own wisdom and ability. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to shine 
And we have the honor and the privilege to be the tool. And the way he used us as a tool, uh, he, he used the term in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, we, we're familiar with this in the Middle East because they used to find uh, treasures in, in jars. And in the old time, there was no banks, no safe. So how they would save, save their jars, I mean, save their treasures, they would put their treasures, gold mainly, in a very inexpensive uh, clay. Clay of jar or jars of clay. So it's not really that the value is not on the jars of a clay. It's just very cheap, very unimportant. And the way they would, you know, after they save it, if they want to get the gold or the treasure out of it, the best way to do it, you know what? Crack it. Because there is no value of the jar. The value is what's inside this clay or this uh, jar. And we as we think of ourselves really highly, <laughs> Paul is saying we're only jars of clay. Now, the value of this jars of clay, we contain a treasure. And you know what's the treasure? It's not you, it's not me. The treasure is the gospel. And this is the glorious message that we have. We, it's just like thinking of the Ebola and all the fear that happened in Dallas. And imagine if somebody had the solution how valuable this man and how rich he will be because he has the solution. You have the solution for the world. Not even is really better than Ebola because Ebola would give you a life for 70 years, but the treasure we have would give us life eternally. And what Paul is saying, we do not lose heart because not only we have the honor of representing Christ, but in our brokenness we bring life for others, and he used, uh, in, if you read Second Corinthians 7 to 12, and he speaks about this, and I think what Paul has in mind when he wrote this, my assumption is uh, Judges 6 and 7. And if you remember the story in Judges 6 and 7 is Gideon. The Israelites were under discipline of God, and they were under the uh, you know, the hands of the Midians on them, and they were scared, and the Midians were taking everything from them. They will take their harvest, they will burn their harvest, and everything. So Gideon is trying to thrush the harvest he has, but he was in hiding, because he was afraid from the Midianites to come and take everything he has, and he was with the wine press. that means not in the highland, in the lowland, in hiding. And the angels of the Lord come to Gideon, and he gives him a greeting, and the greeting was, Shalom, peace to you, mighty warrior. Scary guy, in the hiding, afraid from the Bedianites, and he has received the word, greetings, mighty warrior. My assumption that Gideon, like, he is he's talking to <laughs> me? And we know the story that the Lord told him, I want you to lead in uh, fighting the Midianites, and I will give you the Midianites in your hand. And he kind of had three signs that was the Lord is talking to him. The first sign, when he presented the offering, it was uh, consumed by fire. And then he, it's like the wet and dry twice, one time wet, one time dry. And then he was assured it's the Lord's be with him. And so uh, he 
called people to fight, and they had like 20,000 people. And the Lord said, no, 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 that's a large number. If you, even though the enemies were much larger than 20,000, but he said, if you won the battle, you would think it was because of your own strength. Tell those who would like to go home because they're afraid for any reason they can go home. And that's dropped the number probably to four or 5,000. And then he said, no, that's still too large of a number. Let's give them the choice of going to the drink to the water and the, how they would drink. And then basically they ended up 300 people gonna fight hundreds of, I mean, thousands of the Midianites. What was the, 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 the missiles or the nuclear, nuclear bomb that they have so they can win the war? What's the strategy? Uh, that uh, Gideon has in mind to win the war. The strategy was jar of clay, trumpet, and a torch. And he told them, the first thing we will, uh, you know, play the trumpet are the sounds of joy that they won the war. And the second thing, you know, the torch is already inside the jar. It was the dark night time. And all what they have to do is to break the jars and the light would show, and that was the method that really scared the Midianites and they fled and they won the war. And that was the power of the Lord. And it was sure for all the Israelites and Gideon, it was not by the power of the people, but it was the power of God. And what Paul is saying here, we are jars of clay and the way to shine the way to be a blessing to a broken world is in our brokenness. We live in a community today, it's all about me. What can I get of it? Uh, even when you think of people sometimes going to the churches, they hop from a church to a church because they want what's it for me. What Paul is saying really, the way to be a blessing, stop thinking about yourself. Are you willing to accept carrying the cross daily for my sake. When Christ said, whoever wants to be my disciple should follow me by carrying the cross daily. What he was trying to, to let us know that the, the way we need to do it, are we willing to accept us being used and broken for his glory? Will you be accept uh, to give of your time, of your gifts, of your money, of your availability to others? Are you willing to be broken and respond in brokenness so the light of Christ would show in your life? How is your reaction to pressure? Like if, uh, if you look at a, a tree that has a sweet uh, fruits and try to throw stones to this fruit sweet like maybe berries or what in reaction this tree will give you when you throw a stone at it? Sweet fruits. You know why? Because the nature of this tree only has sweet fruit. And pressure and difficulties and hardship, what Paul is saying, we're struck down, persecuted, but we're not destroyed. And the reaction should be in a time like this, Christ should be shining in our life. In our brokenness, we show Christ in our reactions in our life. If you take a flower, a nice flower, and try to 
smash it with your feet. You know what does it give you? Nice flavor, nice aroma, because it's a flower. The natural way of a flower, even if you squeeze a flower in your hand of anger, the reaction should be nice aroma. And that's what Paul is saying here. We have the honor of being Christians. We have received mercy. So we do not lose heart because first we have been accepted the fact to be Christians. We have received the mercy. Second, he says, even in our brokenness, we provide life and eternal life for others. And that should be, you know, be willing to accept the fact we're willing to be broken so we can be a blessing for others. And that's remind me of a, of a nice toys when our kids were small in their birthday, we would follow the uh, uh, Mexican tradition, you know what they call the pañana, is it? The pañada. <laughs> the value of the pañada is after it's broken. <laughs> you have to beat it and hit it. And when you do this, the candies will come. And Christ is saying we're just like the pañadas. We're uh, jars of clay. We have no value in us except what we represent. We have the honor of representing Christ. We are ambassadors. And we should keep this in mind. Are you willing to be broken for this broken world? In your brokenness, what Paul is saying, you're bringing life for others. In your reactions to difficulties and hardship, you bring life for others. And thirdly, Paul is saying the way and why he was encouraged, because he said not only it brings life, he also said there is a reward for you. Uh, and uh, that's, you can find it in, in the following verses, 17 and 18, and even 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Uh, what is he trying to say about outer self? Uh, remember yourself when you were 17, 18, 19, and how you look right now? If you don't believe me, look at a mirror and bring an album and compare. Is, who is this guy? What Paul is saying, we are changing. And uh, uh, reality is, as we get older, we're not even any stronger. We're getting weaker. And uh, it shows. Uh, if you don't believe me, try to jog. And, and you can't tell. So w what Paul is saying, these things should not really in fact, should motivate us. Because what's saying, after this life, when we depart from this, our weakness and our, you know, appearances of weakness as we, looking as we are decaying, should bring in us a motivation more of serving Christ. Because we know we will have a better life at eternity. And there is more waiting for us, and God will reward us. And that's what he's trying to say. So, for this light momentary affliction 
is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that we are seen, but to the things are unseen. For the things that are seen are trans transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So everything you see, cars, homes, millions, dollars, all of these things are temporal. I will go. I give you the example of the Christians in Nineveh. Even if you're a millionaire, you end up nothing. But think of you living in the U.S. and you have your bank, security, retirement, all of those good things. But there is a time you'll be gone. You'll be dead. And nothing you see had any value anymore. At that stage, the things that has value and importance is the things that is unseen. The things that we do not see. And sometimes some people do not even worry about. I mean, I do not understand the people mindset. We work for retirement, you know, age 65, 70. So you work all your life for retirement to live five years, 10 years. And you save all your life for this, I'll be generous with you, 20 years. And people do not worry about the eternal life. What Paul is saying, we do not lose heart. We do not th stop serving Christ. We get excited about faith because first, we are, we've shown grace and mercy. We've received this mercy. We're Christians. In our brokenness, we bring life for others and there's eternal reward for us. You know, and he speaks in, in chapter 5 about the Bema of Christ. And the beam of Christ is not a seat of judgment. It's a seat of reward. Uh, in our graduations, at any graduation you attend, you will not hear the words so-and-so uh, uh, had flunked at the exam or uh, did not do well in this. No. The graduation day is only to receive an honor and to, to be blessed and to be rewarded. And there is a time when you will be rewarded by him. We know we're not home yet. We're not receiving the, the rewards that we deserve. But remember, God is aware of this. And when you reach home, he will say, blessed my son, come to the joy of the father. Let me read for you uh, a letter was written by uh, a Muslim writer in Kuwaiti newspaper. And he's trying to give a message to the Christians and the impact that Christian is having on the world. And this uh, letter was published in a newspaper called Al-Qabas as a result when uh, Christians were asked to leave Nineveh. He said, get out Christians of Damascus. And he mentioned several cities you don't know, Yarbud, Ma'lula, our homeland. Get out Christians of Mosul, Nineveh, and Baghdad, of our countries. Get out Christians of Lebanon, of our mountains and valleys. Get out Christians of Palestine and the peninsula, Arabian Peninsula shores. Uh, get out of all under our skin. So basically, you just keep saying, get out of this country. I mean, the Arab world. 
as Christians. We do not want you among us. Get out. We are fed up with the progress, the civilization, the openness, the tolerance, the love, the brotherhood, the coexistence, the pardon. Get out so that we can be devoted to kill each other. Get out. You're not part of us, nor are we part of you. Get out. We are fed with the fact that you are an origin of Egypt, Iraq, Syria, Palestine. Get out. So we won't be ashamed of you when our eyes meet yours, inquiring about what happened. Get out and leave us with our woes. You have those who can welcome you, meaning the West. We will stay here, far away from your claims, talents, competence, knowledge, and experience. Get out and leave us to intolerance, hatred, and antipathy. Get out. We are overloaded, bearing the civilization you claimed. Your exodus will free us to end it, wipe it out, shattering what your grandfathers left for, from. And he mentioned the poetry, the literature, the hospitals, the uh, churches. And he said, uh, they don't either need those who dwelt among us before you're from gypsies, Jews, and stones. Go, get out, and take with you mercy, because we won't need it in the presence of al-Nusra, ISIS, and the rest of the Muslim Brotherhood gangs with their uh, latest products. We neither need mercy nor sympathy. Blood shall be poured out, violence spread, hairs cut, liver eaten, tongues pulled out, necks, uni necks united, and knees collapsed. We shall return to the old-time medicine, herbal treatment, reading old books, beating the sand, and the beach in the search of fortune. And he keeps on going, yes, leave us. We want to return to the desert. We miss our sword, dirt, and beasts. We do not need you, your civilization, or your linguistics and poetics contributions. We have what we make us sufficient without you. Groups, killers, and shedders of blood leave us alone get out. What he's trying to say, the Christian have shown light and been a blessing to the Arab world, the way they lived. And he said, we don't deserve you, get out. What I want you to get out of this, what happens in ISIS and other things, Satan wants us to hate Islam and the Muslim world. Don't listen to him. They're not your enemies. We know that our enemy is the God of this age that blinded people. We need not to get out. We need to get in. We need to love them. We need to be broken for this broken world. I'm not talking about just ISIS. Everybody around you. Maybe he doesn't want you in his life because your presence is shaming him because you have a holy living and that's make him feel insecure. And he said, get out. And that reminds me when Peter uh, was in the 
ship with the Lord Jesus, and they did this huge fishing. What was the reaction of Peter? I mean, I would think Peter, being a, if he was a good businessman, he would say, well, what a great uh, miracle, Lord. So how about if you work with me, I give you 50-50. <laughs> we will make really great money. But that's not the reaction of Peter. You know what he did? He kneeled down, and he said, get out of my boat. I am a sinner. May God give us the heart of Peter, realizing that we're sinners, but we have a treasure. God has gave us this treasure in our hearts. The world might say, get out of my life, but really what they're trying to say, please stay. Be a blessing to me. Shine the light of Jesus to my life. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we know that there is no value in who we are. We're just jars of clay. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll be willing to be broken for this broken world. The world needs us. Even they might not say that and miss, they say just leave us to our misery. May we decide to stay. And even be willing to love them to the point we're willing to die for them, to be broken, to show the light of Christ. And we know, Lord, it's not by our own wisdom, not by own our power, our mightiness. Even we don't even have that. So we rely on you that you bring light to this darkened world. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.